This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 544. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 544. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, shameless moms. Happy Monday. Happy May and happy Mental Health Awareness Month. All the good things, right? I'm going to be talking about mental health today. I'm going to be talking about my mental health today. I haven't spoken specifically about this, like designated a whole episode to this ever. Although I have talked about being someone who manages anxiety and I've talked about it in open and honest and vulnerable ways. I've also talked about it in tongue in cheek ways, but I'm going to talk a little bit more about specifically being diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, which has happened this year. And I'm also going to talk about another diagnosis that came at the same time that I didn't know would be <laughs> landing on my plate, which has been interesting. And the reason I'm talking about all of this is because first of all, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And also I want to be part of the solution around destigmatizing mental illness and mental health challenges. And so I'm going to tell my story because I think that it will help other people and help other women specifically and other moms. I firmly believe that mental our mental health doesn't make us less than. It makes us better in some ways. It doesn't make us less than enough. It makes us more ourselves. That doesn't mean it doesn't come with challenges, but 
my mental health, for better or worse, it makes me more who I am. And I think there's some really great gifts around that and gifts that come with that. And I want to talk about that. I also have to credit Debbie Reber, who wrote the book Differently Wired, and she talks specifically around children and their different learning disability diagnoses and behavioral diagnoses. And she talks about having a child with a differently wired brain and what that can look like and all the different ways that can show up and also around how our children who are differently wired have superpowers. And so she has her book is called Differently Wired and her podcast is called Tilt Parenting. I'm a huge admirer of her work and her book, I think, is just brilliant. And I think every parent should read Differently Wired. But I want to just give her a little bit of credit for my mindset around mental illness. I really do think comes from some of the things I've learned from her when I read her book a couple of years ago that really shifted how I see the gifts that come with having a brain that maybe works a little bit differently than other people around us. And so I don't feel less than or unqualified or disqualified because I now I'm carrying around two mental health diagnoses. I just feel like now I have a lot more clarity around why I am the way I am and why certain things are the way they are. And that feels like a huge gift. So with all that said, I want to touch on three things before we start. I want to talk about these three really important pieces around why I'm sharing this, but also around why it's important for other people to talk about mental health. And so I don't think that everyone needs to go shouting their mental health diagnoses from the rooftops on social media, unless they're comfortable doing so like me, because, well, for a few reasons, which I'll get into a minute. But I do think it's important that we create a space where we can embrace who we are, all the parts of us, all the pieces that fit together to make the puzzle that is us a unique an extraordinarily special human being. So for me, the first thing is that I believe that sharing and talking around mental health illness, diagnoses, challenges, I think it's really therapeutic for the person. It's been very therapeutic for me to talk this through with other people. And it also gives other people permission to do the same when you decide to open up. Holy cow, I have been blown away by the people who, like, I have not talked about this with a ton of people, but in a close circle of people who I have talked about my mental health diagnoses this year, multiple people have been like, oh yeah, me too. I'm also taking medication or I'm doing this or I was diagnosed with this. And for some of them, it was been more recent. For some of them, it's been a long time, but it's been, it's kind of like infertility when I started talking about it. So many people came out of the woodwork to be like, oh yeah, me too. And I've did this and I did that. And I struggled with this and here's how we went about it. And I went from feeling very alone to feeling like, oh, this is everywhere. And that makes it feel so much less lonely and isolating. So that's the first reason I think it's important that we're talking about mental health. Secondly, I think that your brain gives you access to your superpowers. So however your brain works, it is providing you gifts that make you uniquely talented and uniquely qualified in this world. So if my brain operates in a different way than you because I'm carrying around a couple mental health diagnoses, those are my superpowers. And so that has provided me with gifts and made me uniquely talented and uniquely qualified. So my business is only the way it is because of the way my brain works, right? This podcast is only the way that it is because of the way I'm uniquely qualified to be in conversation with you around all sorts of different topics. I'm going to bring that to my marriage and to my parenting and to all the relationships in my life and into my profession over and over and over. And that's a gift, right? That doesn't mean it's easy. Sometimes it's a for better or for worse kind of a thing. There can still be hard days, but that's a gift that I get to 
show up with my superpowers and access things in a different way than maybe some other people do. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. And then thirdly, mental health challenges do not make you less, they make you more. So for me, My mental health diagnoses make me more compassionate, more empathetic, much more conscientious, again, for better or worse, right? Like there's a hypervigilance that comes with (laughs) the way my brain works. So I'm very conscientious and sometimes hypervigilant. I'm also more thoughtful and more considerate. And I'm more talented in some unique ways that not a lot of people are. I'm more creative. I'm more adaptable 
to things that other people can't adapt to. Like I'm not a highly adaptable person, but I am adaptable in certain ways because I've had to adapt in a lot of ways as I've navigated these diagnoses, which now I can see I've had since I was eight years old, which I'll talk about in a minute. I'm also more capable in other way, in ways that other people aren't. And I'm more sensitive to the world and to other the things around me in ways that other people aren't. And that I know that makes me a better citizen. So I don't feel like having two mental health diagnoses makes me less. I think it makes me more. And that's really clear to me. So I'm happy to share that with you. So with all that said, I want to take you back to when I was eight years old. When I was eight years old, I stopped sleeping through the night. Every night, my mom would tuck me in and turn off the lights and my brain would wake up like party time. And by party, I mean panic. Images of burglars entering our house would immediately start to swirl in my head. I would imagine a specific burglar, one guy, he would come in through the front door, he would scan the living room, he would eye which piece of furniture he was going to take. And I would think like, how do burglars even carry couches? I didn't know, but I figured they had superpowers like Santa. I also knew that this burglar would be thinking about the residents of the house. He would be thinking through who are the people here right now. And I assumed that he would make his way down our hallway quickly and nimbly and silently to quiet us. And I always knew that I would be the first victim. And I always knew that he would enter my room and silence me by death, by lethal injection to be exact. And as my brain recreated this story every single night, my fear became more and more deep and intense and visceral. I would protect myself by covering my head and scooting to the foot of my bed to make myself as small as possible. And it was always uncomfortable and hot and the air would be stifling and thick under the heaviness of my blanket and my great exhales of fear. Sleep would not come. I would lie there vividly imagining this man's entrance into my room and I would wonder how long this masked man's needle would be. I assumed it would most certainly be longer and wider than the one at my doctor's office. And I wondered where he would insert it. I assumed he would insert it right into my skull. An injection to the brain seemed the fastest and most reasonable way to stop a little girl from screaming out in terror in her last moments. Eventually, I would rest, but I would never go into deep sleep. My sleep always felt more like a cat nap. Sometime around midnight every night, my body knew to rouse me. And as I would turn my senses back on and all the way up, I would always hear the same undeniable sound, a very certain and specific bumping of someone pulling our kitchen table across our linoleum floors. First, that bumping would sound light and gentle, and then it would pick up, and eventually I would actually feel the vibration of that table thumping across our floor, like as if that table was thumping across the floor so vigorously that I could feel my bed shaking. There was always inevitably a moment when the panic would become too great, and while I knew it was risky and could result in my death, I could not stay silent. So I would sit up ever so gingerly and summon every ounce of courage my eight-year-old self could muster, and I would count down three two, one. And with my entire body trembling and my voice quivering, I would shout out in my loudest whisper, mom, and there would be no reply. I would have to dig deeper to find my voice. So then there would be another big inhale, another countdown, three, two, one, and just a slightly louder mom. Again, no reply. And then with the fear too great and left with no other option, I would count down a final time, fully expecting the masked man to burst into my room when he heard me, but hoping that my mom would jump him before he pulled out his needle. Three, two, one. Mom! And this is when she would come running in every night for months. Frustrated and exhausted and completely befuddled by my worry, my poor mom eventually took me to a child psychologist, Dr. Ramsey, to talk through my nightly panic. 
Dr. Ramsey had me draw a picture of this burglar who I imagined breaking into our house each night. My drawing showed a man donning black pants, a jean jacket, and the friendliest smile you've ever seen. It was determined that these nightly tears were related to my parents' divorce four years earlier. This seemed strange to me since the divorce had been almost a non-existent event in my life. One day my dad was there, the next day he wasn't. He left quietly a few weeks before Christmas, and my mom made sure to carry on as if nothing happened in order to protect my sister and I from any drama or trauma, except that the lack of understanding and the lack of conversation around what had happened was actually traumatic in and of itself. But nobody knew. We didn't know that. We didn't know the things that we now know about divorce. My mom was doing her very, very best, and she did a damn fine job. As the years went on, I continued to not sleep well. By the time I got to middle school and high school, I rarely slept on Sunday nights. I would lay in bed so full of worry about quizzes and tests and papers and my future career and who I might marry and what if no one wanted to marry me. And I would get up on Monday mornings relieved to have made it through the night and head off to school where I would complete another week of getting straight A's, answering all my teachers' questions correctly and looking seemingly perfect. As I entered adulthood, sleep continued to elude me, but I kept finding workarounds and mostly just proving to myself that I could perform very well on very little sleep. By the time I hit 40 and had a toddler underfoot, the anxiety my insomnia caused was getting to be too much. I found myself constantly on edge and worrying all day about whether or not I would sleep that night. I tried all the natural remedies like tea and calcium magnesium and melatonin, and they did not touch my insomnia. My acupuncturist at one point gave me some sticks and twigs, I kid you not, in a brown paper bag and told me to boil them on the stove and drink the tea that they produced. It was as weird as it sounds, and all it did was make my house stink. My husband at one point eagerly took me to the pot shop for date night where we searched out the best sleep remedies, which did not work. I finally told my doctor I want drugs. Or I tried a few medications and found one that quickly became a miracle cure for 32 years of insomnia. I learned what it was like to sleep for more than two hours at a time and sleep soundly at that. Sleep medication changed my life. And I expected over time that that medication would also cure the anxiety because I assumed the anxiety was created by my relentless insomnia. But that never happened. The anxiety stayed and worsened. Or perhaps it didn't worsen, but my tolerance for it maybe just lessened. I was exhausted. My brain was operating at a speed I could not control, yet I spent all day every day showing up in the most composed and positive ways to serve my family and clients. I woke up each morning with an overwhelming sense of dread that had lived in a knot in my stomach since I was eight. And every morning I gave myself a big ass pep talk that I could make it a great day because I had woken up with the same feelings the day before and the day before and the day before, and I'd been able to make those great days. But by the end of 2020, at the age of 45, The dread seemed to grow and the pep talks were less peppy and I was certain that I was burnt out on my career. This was just a few months ago. I started doing some digging into mental health diagnoses. Thank you to some of my amazing guests who've spoken on PTSD and OCD and high-performing anxiety. And I started considering that maybe I wasn't burnt out. Although anyone who survived 2020 should be all the way burnt out. But perhaps my brain was differently wired and I had not been tending to it properly now for 37 years since I was that little eight-year-old girl laying in my bed, so scared. I reached out to my doctor and I proudly told her I diagnosed myself with anxiety, OCD, and ADHD, and I asked for a referral to a therapist and a psychiatrist. My meetings with the therapist and the psychiatrist resulted in a diagnosis of general anxiety disorder, to no one's surprise, and post-traumatic stress disorder. I did not see that one coming, but yet I felt seen in a way I had never felt seen before. I immediately felt a gargantuan weight off my shoulders. 
I felt hope and power in a way that I did not know I was desperately needing to feel hope and power. Because here's the thing, my doctor told me that what I was experiencing was real and treatable. Someone was finally validating that my brain was working this way for a good reason. It had saved eight-year-old Sarah from herself and her circumstances at a time when other people weren't able to save her. And this is why our instincts of survival are such a gift. But my hypervigilance that saved me at eight years old had completely worn me out by age 45. So you might laugh when I tell you that my doctor in that first meeting told me that we could start, he suggested that we start with some mindfulness meditations as our first step of treatment. And I was like, no, thank you. I know how to do those kinds of things. I teach other people how to do those kinds of things. I'm not doing those kinds of things. I've done all those kinds of things. I want drugs. And I told him how impactful it had been to start sleeping medication after not sleeping for so many years. And I said, I'm not someone who like runs into a doctor's office asking for medication. I wait a really long time. I try all the things. I'm not starting with meditation today. I'm starting with medication. And so he said, okay, let's go. And he prescribed a medication to me that would help me with my anxiety. And a lot of my anxiety was also showing up in ways that could also potentially be classified as OCD symptoms. And so he said, because there's some gray area there, like, let's just start you on this kind of medication, it will help with all of that. And let's get going. And oh, my goodness, that medication helped a lot. It was amazing. And I felt so hopeful. And after about a month of the medication, because it takes a while for it to kick in, I was like, finally, like, here's the big thing. The knot was gone. This was how I knew something was different. The knot that I had been waking up with for 37 years that lived in my stomach that was so big that it filled in my entire inside sometimes was just gone. And so I was really, really optimistic about that. And then, as often happens when people do medication trials, I met with my psychiatrist and I'm telling him how things are going and I'm so optimistic and things are feeling good. And he says to me, at the very end of our conversation, he's like, oh, anything else you want to mention? And he had told me when he prescribed this medication, he said, let me know if you have any unusual bruising, because a small class of people, a small group of people can have internal bleeding with this kind of medication. He's like, it's really rare. I normally don't even tell people about it. Most doctors probably wouldn't share that side effect. I just wanted to be on your radar just in case. I was laughing. I'm like, I said, well, what do you mean internal bleeding? And he's like, well, like, you know, if you were to hit your head, you could be higher risk for a brain bleed. And I'm like, dude, you're telling this to the person that you just diagnosed with anxiety to the person who on the anxiety assessment scored like at the top of every assessment degree. It's not like a little bit anxious. Like I'm in the very anxious category. And now you told me I could be high risk for a brain bleed, maybe. So I'm totally laughing that he tells me this. So at the end of our conversation, after a month, I'm telling him the medication's working great. The knot is gone. I'm feeling really optimistic. And then I said, but I do have this weird bruise on my leg. And we're on Zoom. So I kick up my leg to show him. And he's like, you need to stop that medication immediately. So what had happened is I had fallen skiing. It was like a non-event. It was a super little goofy fall. It did nothing hurt. I didn't, it was like no big deal. But after that fall, I had a massive bruise on my calf that lasted for weeks. And so I showed him this bruise and he was like, yeah, that's what it looks like. That's internal bleeding. It had not entered my mind, by the way, people, that internal bleeding is bruising. <laughs> so just we can just all enjoy that for a minute. I was like, oh, 
I didn't know that's what you meant by internal bleeding. <laughs> he was like, I'm so glad you shared. He kept congratulating me. Like, you know, when your kid like uses their words for the first time or they're like super polite and you want to like really reinforce the behavior. He kept saying to me, Sarah, I'm just so proud of you for telling me about that bruise. Like he kept patting me on the back. Good job sharing the bruise, Sarah. So I had to go off the medication. And that was a huge bummer. And this happens all the time. So here's the thing about medication is while I was very open to it, I was also nervous because I was like, what if this makes me less me? What if all of a sudden the things I'm passionate about, I'm not passionate about? Like, what if I no longer want to be a podcaster? Or what if I'm like, I don't feel like being a coach anymore, or I don't want to have a business or like all these things. What if I don't want to work out anymore? Like All the things that I love and cherish and value so tremendously. And so I was so relieved that like those parts of my identity weren't erased overnight when I started medication, that they very much stayed intact. So he said, we need to do another trial. We need to go into a different class of medication because if you have this with this medication, you're going to have it with every medication in that class. So we need to go into a different class of medications, start all over again. So that's what we did. It was super defeating feeling. And if you've done medication trials, I'm sure that you can relate to this. And if you've never done medication trials, I will tell you, I'm the person who has had friends who have taken medication for depression and other things in the past. And I'm always like, just do the med trial. It'll be great. You'll wish you did it months ago or years ago. But I never understood the hesitancy around that until I went through that myself. So to have something not work and then be like, okay, like, let's try this again and see what happens. And then I kind of overdid it with the second medication and made myself extremely dizzy and gave myself vertigo with the doctor's permission. Like I wasn't taking like a crazy dosage or anything, but I'm a little sensitive to things. And so I like woke up in the middle of the night one night thinking that I was dreaming that the world was spinning or that the room was spinning. And as it turned out, the room was spinning because I was having like major vertigo from taking too much of this medication. So it's been this like delicate walk of figuring out medication and figuring out like what can I take that works and what keeps that knot in my stomach at bay and how much can I take of it and how much is too much. And it's a lot. It's a lot to figure out. But also, I feel really, really proud of myself that I leaned into something that was new, different, uncomfortable. And I leaned into it really optimistic. So my therapist, I'm working with a therapist and a psychiatrist, and my therapist loves to point out how much I laugh about all these things. Because she's like, I love how you're telling me like this really awful thing, but you're laughing about it the whole time. And I'm like, I know, but like, what else are you going to do? Right? Like, I guess that's my coping skill. This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen biweekly. So why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. 
So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. So the reason I share all of this with you is to let you know that I didn't see myself having two mental health diagnoses at the age of 45. I didn't see myself being on medication. I actually when I've talked about anxiety over the years, I kind of felt like I was just normal. Like I was like, I'm just like everyone else. And then when I did this screening and this assessment for a general anxiety disorder, I was like, holy cow, like this is not like everyone else on a scale of one to five. If I'm a five on all these measures, that means something. And I will tell you that having my therapist and my doctor both say like, holy cow, the way you have been navigating the world with anxiety like this, since you were so young, that's a lot. That's very exhausting. You should be tired right now. And that's so affirming. (laughs) Like, I feel like I have so much permission to take a nap. Not that I needed permission, but it's just really, really affirming for someone to say like, yeah, your brain, it's not malfunctioning. It's just working differently than someone else's. And how can we make it work more efficiently or more effectively so that you can show up in all the ways you want to show up without being trapped inside of some of your thoughts? So that's been really, really helpful. And also, I don't feel like any part of me is compromised because of these diagnoses. And so for me to embrace them and then feel, it's funny because I was talking with someone about the label. I was talking with my therapist about the labels. I'm like, I understand that some people don't want to put labels on things. For me, that's a gift because it gives me like a framework to operate in. So if I can put a label on it, then I know what are the strengths that go with this label? And then what are also the struggles that go with it? What can I be looking out for? And what can I do to work around that so that I can make sure that I can leverage the strengths? And some of the strengths of having anxiety and having PTSD are definitely around the ways that I can show up and serve other people and that I can be an empathetic listener and empathetic leader. And that's so significant to me. And so I don't feel less than because I have this story to share. I just feel like now I'm able to more completely step into who I am. And I'm also able to more look out for myself because I know that if I'm walking around every day managing anxiety and potentially going to be triggered for PTSD, I can start looking out for the things, the situations, the people, 
all the circumstances that might disrupt my day in a way that I would then be incapable of moving forward. And I have to look out for those things. And I've had a few things that I, because I didn't know this until just recently, I can look back and see like, oh, here's where I didn't know to look out for that in the past couple of years and where I really got caught up in my own way because there were some triggering events that I didn't know how to manage because I couldn't relate them back to PTSD. And I couldn't see that that was what was happening was there was this resurgence of things that had happened a long time ago that were now being re-triggered that threw me completely off my game. And some of these things threw me off my game for long periods of time in the last couple of years and made it really hard for me to completely function on a day-to-day basis. Although I still showed up and did all of my things, it took everything out of me to still show up and do all my things. So now I can see how to work around that and how to have better tools and coping skills and all those things. And also medication (laughs) as a tool to be able to move forward in the world in a way that keeps me in my own power. So that is my story of gaining two diagnoses this year and owning my mental health struggles and history and being on medication and just sharing. Your story might be really different. You might never want to go on medication. You maybe have been thinking about talking to your doctor about medication or maybe around a diagnosis or asking for help in a certain way. And my hope is that in listening to this, you can see one picture of what it looks like to live with mental health challenges and find hope in my story, and also see that I don't feel less than or feel like I am held back or limited by my diagnoses. In fact, I feel like instead of them making me less, they make me more. So going back to what I started with at the beginning, the three things that I want you to walk away from this conversation are with are that first of all, sharing is therapeutic, and it gives other people permission to do the same. So if you've been thinking about sharing mental health struggles, this is a great month to do it since it's Mental Health Awareness Month. The second is that your brain gives you access to your superpowers. So if your brain works differently than the typical average person, it's providing you gifts that make you uniquely qualified in this world and uniquely talented in this world. Own that. And then last, your mental health challenges do not make you less, they make you more. So maybe like me, maybe they make you more compassionate and more empathetic and more conscientious and more thoughtful and more considerate and more creative and more adaptable and more capable in ways that others aren't. Maybe they make you more sensitive to the world in ways that allow you to be a better citizen. So with all that, happy Mental Health Awareness Month. If you are struggling and you don't know where to go, I will put some hotline numbers in the show notes because you should not have to struggle alone. Also know that Talkspace is a sponsor of this show. This is actually not a sponsored episode that they are doing, but I'm going to also put the link to Talkspace to get started with therapy on Talkspace. I know a number of our listeners have done that to get access to therapy in a really timely fashion and get access to people who can be specifically supportive of whatever your mental health state is. And then I will also just make sure that I'm available to you in my DMs and in all the places where you can reach out and connect with me if there's any way I can support you in any way moving forward around mental health and especially this month. So thank you for listening. Please feel free to share this episode with anyone who might be able to relate to the story or anyone who you just think would be supported by the story. I would be honored to have you share the episode out. And I appreciate all of you and I appreciate you listening with with an open heart and open arms as always. (music) 
Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.